Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Ward Carroll, the Naval Institute's Director of Outreach. Joining me is my usual co-host, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings Magazine, retired Navy Captain Bill Hamlet. Bill, hello. Hey, Ward. Hello. So what's going on in the, in the lo- world of Proceedings Magazine? A lot what do of we stuff have coming down yeah, the pike? A lot of stuff going on. So we just finished uh, the July issue of Proceedings. It's off to the press. It should hit people's mailboxes in about 10 days. Um, uh, featured in that uh, issue of Proceedings are the winners of the Mine Warfare and the Enlisted Essay Contest. Uh, excited about those two pieces. Uh, and also I wanted to let our listeners know that the deadlines for the annual Coast Guard Essay Contest is coming up on 30 June, and the deadline for the second running of the CNO's Naval History Essay Contest is also on 30 uh, June. So first half of July will be a big reading month for the staff. Um, Last year, the first running of the CNO's Essay Contest, we had 292 entries. Uh, and normally a, a, a busy, well, um, you know, well-participated Coast Guard, or essay contest is somewhere between 60 and 100 essays. So 292 just about crushed us last year. But it was a good problem to it have. It was a good problem to have. And we're yeah. still running some of that content, I think, uh, in both naval history and proceedings. So also, the CNO himself handed out the awards he here uh, yeah. in Alumni Hall. So. Um, that's some uh, motivation for the uh, submissions, I would imagine. Definitely. And the yeah. top prize is $6,000 as well, so that's not so bad. That's that's some sweet yeah. coin, right? All right, so um, we've got a special guest with us uh, today. Uh, Vice Admiral Alcoin uh, is a, a guy I've known for a, a bunch of years, more than uh, we'll say, but uh, uh, I know him as an East Coast Tomcat icon. Um, Tomcat Rio. So for the listeners out there who are not smart on the F-14, and shame on you, but uh, in Top Gun, Maverick, and Goose, Admiral Alcoin, as I've said a number of times about me, was was Goose. So he had a distinguished career with more than 150 combat missions over Iraq, Kuwait, Bosnia, and Kosovo, commanded Fighter Squadron 41, the Black Aces, Carrier Air Wing 5, which is the uh, Japan-based CAG, Carrier Strike Group 3, and U.S. 7th Fleet, which he commanded uh, at the time of some of the uh, the mishaps that we're going to discuss today that led to the comprehensive review. And uh, he has an article in uh, that originally was a Proceedings Today item, but is in this month's Proceedings called, It's Not Just the Forward Deployed. Admiral Alcorn, uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, before we go into some of the questions, I, I want to let our listeners know that we asked you to be on the, the podcast today. Uh, we thought that, um, I mean, there's always a lot of uh, great issues in proceedings, and we always have, you know, we have four or five shows per month where we, uh, we bring on a proceedings author to talk about their article. Uh, you were one that we specifically uh, went to and asked uh, to be on the show because we thought your piece is, uh, one, it's getting a lot of attention. Uh, two, it's an issue that is very important. Uh, the USS Fitzgerald collision was one year and three days ago. Uh, you were the commander of the Seventh Fleet at the time, and you have added uh, some insights into what happened, what led up to the conditions, uh, and you're also bringing up the point in your article that this was not just, as some people wanted to suggest a year ago, uh, a problem set that was confined to the FDNF in Japan. So welcome to the show, sir, and uh, we're glad to have you on. Okay. Hey, uh, hello, Bill, and uh, hello, Ward. And, uh, uh, thanks for the invite and uh, the suggestion to do this. Um, uh, I've been told there's midshipmen there uh, as well. Uh, are they? Yes, sir. We have three midshipmen here with us today. They are uh, 
three of the uh, the group of first uh, interns with the Naval Institute, and uh, they're getting ready to finish up uh, their four weeks with us, and then next week we'll get a second group of interns. So it's been great having them. They are our podcast okay. technicians is what their, their role is oh. here. Okay, that's okay. Well, anyway, he- hello, midshipmen, and um, and uh, glad you're uh, with us today. Yeah, I, I've... Uh, I was a little reluctant to do this uh, as I was with the article uh, that I wrote uh, for proceedings, but really uh, my aim in all this is help make sure that we uh, fix uh, the issues uh, that we have here, get at the root causes. And I, and I need to say from the beginning uh, that, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers uh, go out to the families, the 17 families that lost loved ones, uh, you know that uh, happened. Uh, the first uh, happened a year ago, and um, you know there's uh, many of us have painful scars from that. And um, the um, the Yukoska family is pretty tight knit, uh, and uh, I know uh, most of the families there, and uh, they've gone through a lot. And so my heart goes out to them. Great perspective, and, uh, sir. Th- yeah, thanks for that context. This is not an abstract for you. This is uh, this no, was your life. No, it, it is by a long shot. It's not uh, esoteric uh, uh, issue for me. I have a son who just got uh, uh, got home yesterday from a deployment on board one of our ships, and so we needed to make sure we do everything we can uh, to make sure this uh, doesn't happen again, and so. Uh, with that intent, I, you know, I, when I finally got to read the comprehensive review, I, I have to tell you, I was pretty frustrated in the sense that, you know, I wasn't um, asked or interviewed, uh, and um, but I'm but I'm not discounting uh, the comprehensive review. There are a, a lot of good recommendations in there that we need to follow through with. I just thought that uh, some of the issues were glossed over, and that's what prompted. Uh, the paper that I wrote that um, uh, we were confronted uh, with a, a number of issues, uh, you know, namely the manpower and um, the excessive tasking and some other things that uh, I hi- highlighted in the article. And so with that, um, over to you for uh, whatever you'd like to ask. Well, so when you talk about um, the uh, comprehensive review, you, you point out some specific, uh, uh, and there, it's not even opinion, there's just some specific details that that uh didn't strike as you said they were you were frustrated specifically you mentioned that the afloat training group western pacific responsible for training and certification of fdnf for deploy naval forces surface ships based in japan was not under com 7 fleet command but ins- instead reported directly to commander naval surface force pacific um can you give us a little more around that that bullet well, uh, that's the way the chain of command worked. It was convoluted uh, in that sense that uh, um, the one responsible for um, the readiness and the training uh, didn't report to me, although we had a close um, – he came in and briefed me um, uh, periodically on where we stood, and we watched it uh, closely, uh, but he, he wasn't in my, chaining, uh, in my chain of command. And then the second item uh, in the early part of the article you, you point out is the USS Lake Champlain CG-57 collision in the Sea of Japan in May 2017 often is cited as an example of degraded readiness in COM 7th Fleet Surface Forces. In fact, this cruiser was a San Diego-based ship entirely trained and certified by Commander 3rd Fleet. And then lastly, um, 
you, you say, um, how comprehensive is the CR when neither Commander Surface Forces nor I, the number fleet commander, was interviewed, as you just said uh, before you, uh, a couple of minutes ago, was interviewed and asked for input. Um, so those are just some, again, this isn't your opinion. These are just sort of technical um, irregularities, if you will, in the CR. Um, so do you have any idea why you weren't interviewed uh Going, go, was there some presumption of guilt? Or was there something else uh, Machiavellian about it, or was it just oversight? Or wh why didn't they talk to you during the uh, the creation of the CR? I'm not sure. You know, I, um, you know, Ward, you you come from an aviation background. Uh, you know, I've done lots of mishaps, Class A's and Jags, uh, and you know, in the aviation world, we uh, definitely um, try to get. At, uh, you know, we include everyone to make sure we get at the root causes. And uh, I don't know, you have to ask uh, them why uh, uh, I wasn't uh, interviewed. You know, the, your, your, the piece on uh, Lake Champlain, that was frustrating, uh, how that was kind of categorized under us. Um, and it was frustrating in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, when that mishap occurred, we were trying to find information about what happened there. You know how, uh, you know, so that we can help prevent. Uh, but that investigation was a third fleet investigation. You know that took an excessively long time. You know, in fact, uh, six months later on the press availability for um, the comprehensive review, three or four questions were asked on the Lake Champlain, and uh, for some reason, uh, you know, um, uh, no, and uh, those couldn't be answered. You know, but. Um, you know, they could speak, or he could speak at length about any of the uh, seven fleet uh, ships. And I thought, you know, that might have been a good time, even if the investigation is still ongoing, to say, hey, this is a, you know, uh, this this is a bigger issue. Um, but uh, that was a, that was disappointing. That that reminds me of uh, some things I've heard and that have been in proceedings uh, from one of our authors, Captain John Cordell. Uh, John Cordell was uh, one of the investigating officers on the uh, collision of the Porter that happened in 2012. And he, he expressed frustration that the Navy didn't share those findings very widely and quickly. Instead, it was, uh, and he wrote about it in Proceedings or Proceedings Today a few months ago, he, he wrote about the fact that because of uh, legal proceedings, et cetera, um, that the findings of the Porter you know, were, were held uh, and and not not distributed widely and and there was you know great frustration about that. In fact, you know you bring that up as well. It's all about the sailors and John's piece in March 2018. Um, you know if you and I think it gets to some of the you know we often talk about the tribes of the Navy. How you've got submariners and surface and aviators and seals, etc. And those tribes have different cultures and the aviation culture of if there's a mishap, there can be a red stripe. You may not fly any of those airplanes until you find out what caused that that airplane crash and make sure that it, it's not going to be a commonality across all the type number, uh, you know, the, the lot number that are that are similar to that aircraft. But they, the, the surface community doesn't have that same culture to get information out as quickly on an on an incident uh, mishap. And so, um, th you know, I think that's just an interesting uh, tie between. You know, we have the porter, a picture of the porter in with your article uh, on page 12 of the June proceedings. And then you bring it up that, you know, Champlain happened in Seventh Fleet, but it wasn't a Seventh Fleet ship. 
Uh, and, and yet you couldn't get the details of that mishap investigation to share with everybody else so that, you know, they might learn something from it. Yeah. And um, it, um, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I've, I've gotten to know quite a few lawyers in the past year. And I, I, I do think there's, um, there's some issues with um, uh, Admiralty Court and uh, that um, while these things are ongoing, that, uh, you know, that... Um, uh, the Navy uh, can be held liable, and um, I, I think uh, some of this, you know, for the good of the Navy, some of this, uh, we sh- there should be more transparency. You know, whether uh, we have to pay out more money for, you know, as a result of talking about it, uh, for the good of our Navy, for the safety of our people, uh, I think some of these things need to come out sooner, and we really do need to uh, reinforce this. You know. When, after the fits, um, uh, I had the investigating officer um, look at the uh, uh, the Porter results because that was the last major collision prior, and um, it was disappointing to see how many things were not followed through. I th- really do think we need to hammer this home um, that um, we need to follow through with uh, that. And uh, I think I'm going to say a few things at the end of this. Um, about the resolve uh, of our Navy. Uh, and that's the, the major point uh, that I, you know, the biggest point I, uh, in the article is about whether or not we have the resolve um, and the long-term memory uh, to get at uh, some of these uh, issues that we were uh, facing in Seventh Fleet, but we're facing issues uh, throughout our Navy. At the beginning, Admiral, you, you mentioned, as Bill did with his leading question, that uh, it was initially perceived as a as a Seventh Fleet AOR specific issue, and you mentioned at the early part of the article that that there was some perception that that your staff had taken, let's just say, this is my words, not yours, taken your eye off the ball. But you say specifically here uh, in in the paragraph, um, you say through 2016 and culminating in early 2017, my staff produced detailed data quantifying the increase in crew dev's operational tasking and demonstrating the consequent decline in executed maintenance and training, which I sent directly to Compact Fleet. Compact Fleet agreed operational tasking threatened for deployed naval forces surface maintenance and training, yet Comp 7 Fleet received no substantive relief from tasking uh, or additional resources. So um, that that's a pretty big disconnect, right? I mean, this that that obviously you're singing out but there's no quarter um can you give us any right. specifics around around uh, that uh well if you read the comprehensive review it sounds like um we didn't know there was an issue and the articles that were written subsequent that uh, we didn't know that we had problems and that's that is so far from the truth uh we had manning issues that i highlighted in the article we had uh, excessive tasking and a readiness decline that, uh, you know, my staff and my uh, commanders uh, produced for me saying that we are declining uh, in readiness uh, as a result of um, uh, the tasking and also just uh, the ships needed uh, more maintenance. Uh, and that was produced, and it was given to our leadership. And, uh, you know, I, I can recall, uh, you know, uh, VTCs and Tanbergs, you know, saying, would we, uh, you know, would we do this to a West Coast ship? Uh, you know, the, the amount of uh, tasking and, you know, and, and so forth. And some of these we were able to turn off. Some of these, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, we were able to say, no, they're not going to do it. 
but some, uh, you know, as I was saying in the article, forced the source that, um, um, uh, you know, a national tasking, classified mission off of some coast uh, needs to go. Uh, and uh, and uh, they were sent off. Uh, but they were sent off with um, uh, certified, you know, seamanship, certified navigation. Uh, and and I think uh, my senior SWOs felt that they could get training along the way. You know, we don't have tier one level uh, training uh, set aside. We, ha- we, we haven't had that in Japan. Uh, and um, um, and uh, issues went awry uh, when the, uh, with the Fitz and the, uh, and the McCain as a result. Well, so I, I you think mentioned it's, cross-decking yeah. uh, and, and that, that op-tempo thing, and you, you have a sentence in here. The fastest way to kill motivation is to meet a returning for deployed naval forces sailor at the pier in Yokosuka or Sasebo and tell that sailor that he or she must go right back out on another deployment on a different ship because of a manning shortfall. So this affected, obviously, for those who've read the mishap report for McCain, there was a cross-decking situation that really did uh, affect that, that mishap. Um, so... Can you talk more about that that phenomena um, about uh, sure. manning shortfalls and cross-decking folks? Well, this really disappointed me in the comprehensive review, but uh, uh, our manning was our number one issue. That uh, wasn't coming. You know, that's not coming from me. That's coming from all the command triads. That's coming from the chiefs. That's coming from my master chief every day um, here, and that's the manning that we're having to cross-deck people from ship to ship. And really have to work hard and spend an inordinate amount of time getting replacements for the people that were leaving. And it really felt like it wasn't getting the attention it deserved uh, above me. So I made it a point to, to you know, uh, bring it out at every commander's update, you know, my boss had uh, with all the other commanders. And just read excerpts. You know, here, here's where we're deficient uh, this week in, in, in these places. And I remember... You know, uh, I mean, I did, the, did this, uh, you know, every every uh, update, and uh, I invented once that, uh, hey, you know, this week we're cross-decking 49 people, um, and that we're, we're we're gapping five of 11 chief quartermasters, you know, and I'm hearing uh, that on the West Coast uh, ship just deployed had to leave 30 people on the pier because they were so overmanned. I'm like, when are we going to get this fixed? And I think that's what you know broke the dam. And we got fleet forces, the Man and Control Authority, and uh, PAC fleet to come out and um, and go over this and, and let them see firsthand what we were dealing with. Uh, and um, I think that really um, they saw it and they and they went back, uh, you know, telling us that they you know, they were convinced that they needed you know persuade their boss uh, to change that um, you know as I describe in the paper the. Um, you know, that uh, prioritization of um, uh, OFRP units over non-OFRP units, which FDNF was, uh, that uh, how can that be? We had, you know, the op, the op tempo was uh, very high, as noted in the comprehensive review, but we're not, but we're not the priority for getting uh, manning. And so that was, that was disappointing. Um, and I know many people are going to say, well, we got shortfalls throughout our Navy. We do. Uh, and that number now, it, it, last summer, was 7,500 people. 
Uh, and that's not my number. That's what the man in control authority told us that, the, that we were 7,500 people short and that there were going to be shortfalls everywhere, but the brunt of it was going to be in the non OFRP uh, units. And, uh, that just made no sense to me. And so that, uh, uh, you know, when I look at all this, uh, and, and uh, number one issue, you know, in, in the aftermath and during the half carings, um, uh, our uniformed uh, Navy leadership was up there explaining what happened. And, and I, as I mentioned in the article, Congressman Thornberry asked a very relevant question. So, Navy, why haven't you been asking for more manpower? And uh, it was very disappointed in the response there. You know, well, it's hard to predict year to year. It goes up, it goes down. We need to look at it some more. You know, the answer should have been, uh, yes, we should have been asking for more people. It's up to 7,500 now. Uh, and it's making tough on our fleets. Uh, but in, in the end, uh, from what I've been told uh, with uh, the new SECNAV, that uh, the Manning uh, funding is in there now, which is good to hear. I just hope we have the resolve to keep it in there because there will be other pressures ahead of us that uh, uh, tough decisions will get made, but we do need to properly man our ships. Yes, sir. For our, our listeners, the OFRP is the Optimized Fleet Response Plan, which was uh, drafted up a, a few years ago in response to the fact that the Navy was having a problem uh, getting a, a good schedule for ships so that they could come back from a deployment, go through a, a stand down, go through some maintenance, uh, and then be on a predictable schedule where their manning levels and their training uh, built over time so that they're ready to go on deployment. But as you point out, FDNF forward deployed naval forces such as Seventh uh, Fleet in Japan, and now there's FDNF in Europe uh, where there's uh, ballistic missile defense Aegis uh, class destroyers that are based in Rota, Spain. That's considered FDNF as well. Uh, that they were not part of that OFRP plan, and so they weren't getting the resources uh, that the FD that the, that the OFRP ships that were based in. Norfolk and San Diego and Mayport and, uh, you know, the Washington uh, state area uh, we're getting, or maybe even uh, Hawaii-based ships we're getting. So uh, just, just to uh, clarify some of those um, uh, acronyms for the, for the listeners uh, who aren't so familiar yeah. with them. And I apologize for that. I, I should... Uh, no, 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 sir. I, no. Just, I, I ripped uh, through that, but uh, that was a, a big issue for, the, for us that... Um, uh, and I... And, uh, and, and yeah, I was curious why the comprehensive review didn't talk about those hardships and was told that, well, that was solved with the Manning Conference. Uh, as a, but you know, I, I, I told the person, well, you know, that that was only after complaining for two years uh, about the situation, and you don't fix Manning overnight. You know that, you know, it takes a while, and it would have been nice to reflect. Uh, some of this in the comprehensive review and it, it and it should have been pretty easy you know after all uh the manic control authority uh did the comprehensive review you know they they could have pulled the manpower data down uh, pretty easily uh and uh shown some of these numbers or the fact you know that the fits um had a chief quartermaster gapped for two years you know and uh you know that that's probably going to affect readiness and training I mean, how can you even get away with that, right? I mean, is it, what, what's the excuse? Well, we have digital everything now. You don't need a quartermaster. I mean, you know. 
But the, yeah, the leadership piece of that, right? It's uh, when you when you gap uh, a chief quartermaster and you've got a, a, a first class petty officer who might you know have half the amount of time at sea as a chief or a senior chief would have, that has an impact on uh, on your whole watch standing team, right? Yeah. And, and the sense of who who are the best watch standers, uh, you know, instilling that sense of purpose and urgency in junior watchstanders that a, a senior chief or a chief may have seen some near misses in his or her career that a that an E6 may not have seen because they just didn't have the time uh, the time at sea. So, well, Admiral, you've probably become a student of of how we got here. You know, in the last year, um, I know I have um, by virtue of the smart contributors to proceedings we've had. Um, particularly Kevin Iyer, uh, wrote an article some months ago where he talked about the the sort of ground zero or the start of what you lived with was the Clark era um, uh, surface Navy. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Kevin mentioned a, a few things about it became vogue, let's say, to be facile about it, to uh, sort of tee up savings and budget cut opportunities and so that resulted in lower manning and cutting corners on on availabilities and, and that sort of thing um, and then then he also spoke about um, how uh, you know the SWAS training track um, was was shortened or eliminated altogether with the idea as you were already saying that you know it's just something you can do underway and you and I as aviators know that we know our cockpit skills are fragile and time sensitive and there's some general perception in fact I just had lunch out at Middleton's with the guy who was pro dev when I was on the staff here um, I won't name him but you you know him uh, uh, he was at N86 uh, in the early aughts um, and he was, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than a Terminal 06 in terms of speaking your mind. Um, and so he was like the guy who was predicting, look, you can't do this. We can't, you know, these shortfalls are going to hurt us. So did you, you know, does that resonate with you uh, in terms of training tracks being, you know, shortened or, or uh, you know, cut and, and also uh the, the budget savings and let's just say sequestration uh, hurting the availability of uh, maintenance and other things. It, uh, I thought uh, Kevin Iyer in his um, article uh, he wrote for earlier this year uh, really does a nice job chronicling uh, the uh, what the institution has done a disservice to our SWOs. Um, and, you know, like I said before, that it'll take some time to rebuild this. It, it you know, over the past couple of decades, we've been chipping away at it. And uh, really, you know, as aviators and, and as submariners, we get training, um, foundational training, uh, that uh, it's not just the technical, but it's the, you know, the process, you know, the briefing, the preparing for the mission, uh, briefing the mission, executing the mission, you know, debriefing, and all those kind of things. I think there's a generation of SWOs that uh, didn't uh, get that. Um, and I think that's, we need to, you know, Kevin uh, does a nice job describing all that. And I think we need to get back at that and, um, and give the SWOs and, and keep them in the cockpit, you know, or the, you know, or the bridge, uh, you know, you, you know, for them to be away, you know, some of the kids out there, you know, five to seven years, you know, ward if, uh, if uh, an aviator is out of the cockpit for that long, uh, he's irrelevant. Uh, you know, he's, he's a danger. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, it, you lose that sense that, you know, that Admiral Mullen, 
uh, talked about uh, in his article. And um, so we really need to get the SWOs uh, better training, and they need to um, more time at sea. Yeah, I mean, what was scarier for us, you know, when you'd have a guy roll into the squadron from a joint billet, you know, it's just that wasn't out you of know. the cockpit for a year for uh, yeah, I mean, for, just, for postgraduate school yeah, and then it, three years in a joint assignment yeah. at CENTCOM or the Pentagon or something and then well then you add like a six translation to that and you right. know it was just it was it became a safety of flight issue at some level right right and that that, that article about that uh, was by Kevin Iyer for our listeners that the Admiral just mentioned was uh, it's called where what happened to our surface forces it was in the January issue of proceedings we had Kevin on I think in January uh, talking about that piece which you know he at, at the time, under Secretary Rumsfeld, and Rumsfeld came into the Pentagon wanting to lean out the force, find those business efficiencies, right? And the the aviation community of the Navy said, no way, because we've gone through this, and NATOPS is written in blood, and, and there are... There are, we're not going to lean it out any more than it is because we'll start killing people and airplanes will fall from the sky. The submarine community also said, yeah, thanks very much, but we're not really interested in doing that because uh, we've had Thresher, we've had Scorpion, and we have nuclear reactors at sea, and that requires a lot of training. It requires the best people, and it requires a lot of maintenance money, and if you want to start cutting back on that, we can't go to sea. Uh, but the surface community said, "Well, we can we can get it done, boss. Right? We can get it done. We can do it with less. We can we can cut back on on SWO training. We can cut back on our maintenance. We can do maintenance ourselves. We can lean out some of these availabilities. We can save you millions of dollars here or there, and, and that's the path." That well, and you could put to sea dragging a screw and all the other things that right. to you know, gonna, the admiral and my aviator sensibilities. Like seriously, it's like saying, "Oh, we can take off single engine. That's good, right? That would be fine." Or the flaps, you don't need the flaps, really, do you? You know, I mean, that kind of thing. It's like anathema to the aviation or the submarine community. And the, I don't know if it's they're just hacking it to, in their minds or I, I whatever. Much of it was a that, that can do, you know, there was a can-do attitude, right, and, uh, and, and must do. Um, uh, so, sir, you, you know, you talked about that a little bit at the at the start of your article about making clear to your bosses up the chain of command when you were in 7th Fleet that there would be a, there was an impact uh, based on the increased operational demand, that that uh, that demand was having an impact on manning. It was having an impact on your maintenance availabilities. Uh, you were having problems with manning, um, and so talk about those. The, I think people would like to know the conversations that happened at that level, um, where you said, "Hey, I, I'm kind of at my limits here, or my my forces are at my limits." And the, the conversation back and forth about supply and demand, about meet, needing to meet mission uh, under those circumstances. Well, the, uh, the, as I wrote, uh, the tasking had uh, really uh, climbed up over those uh, two years, um, not just uh, for Crudez, but for all our assets. And um, uh, it uh, really put a strain on us. And believe me, <laughs> it was uh, really trying to throttle uh, this back. Um, and I got to tell you, it's ironic. Uh, you know, uh, there. I just read an article uh, that the Navy, uniform uh, Navy leadership is uh, is tired of the BMD mission and thinks that needs to be uh, reduced. And uh, uh, it, I, just, I think I just read it last week. And it, it, I find it ironic because there hasn't been a missile shot in uh, six months off the peninsula. But a year ago, 
we were having unprecedented number of missiles shot. I mean, there was one uh, day where we had four, and so we were we were uh, really being uh, pushed uh, to have BMD ships. And you know that uh, article, that frustration, that would have been nice to have a year ago uh, when we were really uh, being pushed uh, to the limit on uh, those assets off of the peninsula. And and I, I think some of this is contained in the classified section, uh, but that would have been nice to have in the unclassified section to show, you know, the the, na- the rest of the Navy and the public that uh, the the, the, um, the pressure we were under and the need for the, the Navy at all levels to push back uh, on the um, on the uh, on this demand. And you know, I and I, I asked about this too. Why? You know, why didn't you? Why didn't? Why wasn't there something in there in the CR that says, "Hey, as a service, um, you know, as, as an institution, we need to uh, push back uh, on this." And uh, and I was told that uh, it was pretty well known that we that the J three uh, was uh, driving this at a wartime pace, and there wasn't much throttling back uh, above me that it fell in our lap, and we were able to turn off some, but. Uh, Boy, it sure would have been nice uh, to have shown that uh, that uh, demand signal was uh, was uh, way too high. So we're uh, nearing the end of the uh, program, sir. You mentioned you wanted to offer some final thoughts on resolve, and just in general, it's you know you've had some time to let the dust settle on it. What 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 are your thoughts? Uh, you know, both strategically and tactically. Hey, I you know I love the Navy, uh, really do. Uh, you know, I uh, everything, uh, and I really want the Navy to succeed. And I was disappointed uh, when, uh, you know, hey, what happened out there? Uh, you know, and so um, this is really uh, one of the only forums, other than writing the paper, uh, and talk about it. So I, I really do appreciate you guys, um, you know, persuading me to do this. But uh, my biggest point in writing the paper was the resolve. Uh, whether or not uh, we truly have a resolve to fix these shortfalls, you know, and not just the force, uh, force that risk uh, that uh, wasn't clearly p- uh, put in the uh, comprehensive review. You know, um, you know, if you read the comprehensive review, you know, you can come across you know, some of the articles uh, that were written that, uh, hey, we had some errant commanders out there, didn't know what was going on, and, uh, you know, and, and all was better. Uh, now that they're gone, and uh, and, and that's uh, that is completely false. I mean, we, leadership was informed. Uh, we were turning off some things, but other things we uh, we couldn't. And uh, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's at least good to see that now the manpower it looks like that's programmed in there. And now that we have leadership pushing back on tasking like BMD uh, that I just mentioned there, um, you know, e- you know, even though it's you know uh, late, you know, better late than never that uh, we're, we're getting that. But uh, none of that was in the CR, and uh, you know, it's what it strikes me is kind of leadership uh, that uh, traits from uh, leadership from that's from behind instead of uh, leadership from up front. You know, it would have been appreciated, you know, if. Um, you know, uh, you know, yes, Congressman, we do, we do have a shortfall. We should have been asking for more people. It's up to 7,500 now, and um, um, you know that 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 is a major problem for our commanders at sea. 
or um, yes, as a Navy, we need to push back uh, when the, you know, uh, these uh, combatant commanders are uh, excessively tasking uh, our units. Uh, and so, uh, or you know what? Um, this is a bigger issue than just Seventh Fleet. The Lake Champlain, uh, it's unfortunate that it had a collision, but that was a manned, trained, and equipped ship all on the West Coast, had all the certifications, uh, and um, you won't see anywhere uh, that uh, it's a Third Fleet uh, ship in the CR or the press availability. So I just, um, you know, I, a part of me uh, wanted to talk today because I, I feel like our service holds our people accountable, and, uh, and, and, and we need to. Uh, and I'm not disputing People needed to be fired uh, for what uh, happened uh, out there. But as, uh, I also think that as an institution, uh, we tend to have memory lapses and that um, uh, we don't hold ourselves accountable for the risk that we're placing on our people. You know, instead, uh, we take, uh, well, Congressman, I'll take that uh, question for the record. We need to study that some more, and I'll get back to you in six months. And uh, really... You know, um, I think we need to return, uh, regain our long-term memory and make sure we never lose sight of those sacrosanct kind of things that we need to uh, ensure that our people have, are manned, trained, and equipped uh, to do those missions. And some might think, uh, hey, Joe, you're just, you know, um, that's water on the bridge. We got it. You know, we've got the sense of urgency. Well, you know, we had the sense of urgency when the porter happened. Or, um, you know, the Belial report, uh, you know, and there's a list of recommendations. Or even, the, or even the 2015 GAO report, that's sitting on somebody's desk, you know. And, um, you know, if those things had been followed through, that would have uh, helped a lot uh, as far as preventing uh, some of these things from occurring. You know, I just read an, uh, an article where a chief was court-martialed. Uh, for he was responsible for the training on the sh- bridge ship control system on board the McCain, and um, and he and th- this is a brand new system that was put on the ship, um, and he was found dereliction of duty, uh, uh, and uh, um, and I think this is a new this new system. I, I, it appears that the uh, the instructions and the manuals, uh, the training, the formal training, it's not out yet, you know. And so I think, uh, you know, we need to do a better job, you know. Otherwise, we're just placing the risk on hardworking chiefs like this one who was just trying to best fill in the shortfalls that the Navy, you know, threw in his lap and his crew. And so, you know, my, my closing comment is, you know, before we start building a whole lot more ships, let's probably man the ships we have. Let's fix the gaps and let's start eradicating the risk that uh, I find is too often forced down. And I think that would be a good start, uh, you know, leading from the front. Well, Admiral, on behalf of uh, the membership of the Naval Institute and uh, all of us Tomcat Bubba's, we'd like to thank you for your Decades of service. Uh, I know the Tomcat community is very proud of your professional trajectory. Um, and thanks for coming by the podcast today. And not to mention using the independent forum uh, definitively uh, in its intended purpose. And thanks for doing that. Hey, uh, Bill and Ward, uh, thanks uh, for convincing me to do this. And I really do appreciate what you and your organization does for us. We're lucky 
to have the Naval Institute, you know, and, uh, and people like John Cordell and Kevin Ayers, you know, that really uh, want to see the Navy uh, succeed. And so I really do, for, pe- for the people that are lucky enough to still be in the Navy, they ought to read those articles and heed their wisdom. And um, I guess the last thing I'd say is uh, for the midshipmen in the room, I hope you got something out of this. I would, uh, you know, trade uh, trade places with you guys in a heartbeat. So thanks a lot, uh, Bill, Ward, Middies. Uh, appreciate talking to you, and you guys have a good day. Sir, thanks for being on. And I would just add that uh, the open forum that the Naval Institute provides for the profession is only as good as those who have the courage to read, think, speak, and write. So, uh, you know, that self-critical um debrief, if you will, uh, of what the Navy's doing well and what the Navy's not doing well. Uh, you know, it goes back 150, almost 50 years, thanks to the forum, but really thanks for, to those in the profession who have the courage to write. So thank you for being part of that and for coming on the show today. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you in the future. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. All right, sir. Bye. Take care, sir. All right, that does it for this week's show. Uh, We'll see you guys again next week. And remember, victory begins at the U.S. Naval Institute.